I'm Henry from Fortress on a Hill. We're a leftist veteran podcast that aims to expose the reality of the U.S. military's many wars abroad, the horror that it puts on the people that live in those places, and the damage that military service does to Americans. Congress has abdicated its role, giving oversight to the military. Fortress on a Hill aims to change that. Fortressonahill.com or wherever you get your podcast. Now, back to Lions Led by Donkeys. to another episode of Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. I'm Joe. With me today is Rich. Hi. What up? Welcome back to the guest room that serves as my studio. Thank you. It's been a while. Yeah, uh, it has. And, um, you know, how have you been? It's been a long time since you've been on the show. I've been good, you know, just trucking along. Uh, got a new job, so that's nice within the confines of the military. Yeah. So. <laughs> forging, forging the young minds of up-and-coming NCOs like Nick. It's it's the most important job in the Army. I mean, you thought yours was. But <laughs> Not even remotely. I, I hated every minute of uh, it. I was talking about being a dependent. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have been uh, getting yelled at by angry right-wingers on Twitter <laughs> and uh, finalizing uh, my next book, which is the worst part of writing a book that may be an even more important job getting getting yelled at by writing on twitter yeah i so somebody posted this thing called them from a all right so it's a guy named jack posobiec and i know you're not on the website so you have no idea who he is and you're you're a better person for for not knowing he is a right-wing grifter who is a naval reserve officer whose entire job is is urinalysis like he literally just watches dudes piss in a cup for a living on his, on his weekend of drill or whatever it is. And he started this thing uh, called a magaphobe, which is someone who does not like Trump supporters. And I, so I screenshot this. I did not quote tweet him. I screenshot it and said, these motherfuckers are trying to make a stupid red hat, Jim Crow. He found it. This is he had like a half million followers in like a, 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 a news segment. So that means he like searched and found me and I'm nobody at all and try to sick his like legions of smooth brained boomer grandpas on me and that has been going on for the last 12 hours <laughs> so you've had a productive day i almost done i'm almost done finishing my book uh, uh final edits which is nice um <laughs> which brings us to our episode not a good segue um <laughs> uh so what do you know about anti-war movements um i know that there have been anti-war <laughs> movements in history Solid point. Uh, <laughs> um, so most people think uh, when you talk about anti-war movements, you think of Vietnam, uh, maybe Code Pink during the lead up to the Iraq War 
And we're not talking about either one of those today. Uh, we are going to be talking about an anti-war movement from within Nazi Germany called the White Rose. Um, and they get my vote for being some of the biggest badasses of World War II and maybe of all time. Um, so it's all started around 1942 at the University of Munich in uh, Nazi Germany. Now, when you look at 1942 for Germans during World War II, it's a pretty critical time. Uh, the initial sweeping victories of the war were largely over. Uh, a German army had already attempted to take over Moscow and failed. Um, the growing damages and the cost of the war to everyday German families were becoming increasingly apparent and they could no longer be ignored. Um, like, you know, the Battle of France and all other shit, these are now um, memories. Uh, like, the Eastern Front has turned into a fucking hellscape on Earth. And um, Germans are actually starting to feel it. Uh, and that's where these people come from. Um, so the White Rose had, they're still not even sure how many members the White Rose had, uh, but it all boils down to a certain core who is what we're going to talk about. And that is Hans and Sophie Scholl, Alexander Schmorell, Willie Graf, Christoph Probst, and lastly, a professor at their university named Kurt Huber. Um, all of them except Kurt were college students. And that's uh, you know, kind of interesting where uh, you can almost directly equate these guys to uh, the Vietnam war movement, uh, anti-war movement, because they were all in college and their lives were getting fucked over by some assholes. Not exactly equating Richard Nixon to Hitler, but, you know, do it that with you will. <laughs> uh, so the kids would, that would eventually uh, make up the White Rose led uh, normal German lives uh, for the time. Uh, before uh, the Nazis came to power, there's this thing called the German Youth Movement. Uh, you kind of think of it as a Boy Scouts, but more survivalist. Like they hung out in the woods a lot. Um, they, I don't know if there's merit badges, but it was effectively like a summer camp. Wait, there's something more survivalist than Boy Scouts? Yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> well, they probably didn't even have ascots. <laughs> Can you even go into the woods without an ascot? I don't know. I did once and I'll never do it again. <laughs> Um, pretty much all I did is hang out together in large groups. Um, a key part of this, it actually, so I read on a few occasions that the German youth movement, especially during the Weimar Republic before the Nazis took over was a pretty big hotbed for youthful homosexuality. Uh, yeah, uh, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that is why when the Germans took over, um, there's also like a huge group of like Catholic uh, youth movements as well. Um, I guess, I don't know, you grew up Catholic. You can assume what they were like. Um, <laughs> not good. <laughs> the, the look you gave me was like, no, but no, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm just, I'm just thinking about all of the Catholic press that's going on right now. So not good. Not, not good. good. Um, and actually the something I never experienced because I'm a girl and <laughs> was not able to be an altered child. <laughs> you know, I'm really glad Nick isn't here because he'd say something incredibly inappropriate right about now. <laughs> and that's well, Aww, we miss you, Nick. Yeah, poor Nick is stranded out in the desert NTC again for I think the third time since we started I this think podcast. Four. Jesus Christ. Or maybe it, maybe it's three NTC and like two JRTC, but yeah. Yeah, that poor bastard. Uh, so one of the first things that the Nazis did uh, for the youth when they took over was make all of these groups legal and replace them with the Hitler Youth. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but unfortunately, uh, 
for the people who didn't necessarily agree with it, uh, agree with the Hitler Youth, and there was also a um, a woman's version uh, that it's called like the the band of German maidens or something. Youth is not a gender specific term. Why can't women be that? Um, because while the Germans wanted like, so if the Nazis were nothing, if not consistent, right. I mean, <laughs> a brown hair guy talking about blonde haired people ruling the world, but, um, they wanted their sexes separate effectively. I'm outraged by the Nazis being so sexist. Shocking, right? <laughs> like they literally started a baby factory at one point. So it shouldn't be that surprising. Um, but they made, uh, I'm glad we can laugh about this now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll eventually be doing a whole uh, episode on that because uh, it's fucking nuts. But there was literally like uh, a baby factory like you had to submit. So like if you were in the SS uh, to get in the SS, you had to prove that you were not Jewish and you were German going back to like your fucking great grandparents, some stupid like that uh, on your father and mother's side. That might that, that might not be entirely true, but. And it's hilarious when you look on and realize like most of the SS late in the wars from Eastern Europe. But um, you had to prove your uh, racial purity and then they would let you into these Lebensborn homes. And uh, there there would be women whose sole job it was to get pregnant. Uh, obviously, that would, like a lot of them were sexual slaves um, from place they took over and everything but some of them were not some of them legitimately volunteered for that job and their whole job was to birth german children yeah so now that that's depressing let's get even worse uh so uh when the hitler youth came thing the hitler jugend or whatever uh it became compulsory uh because at first the shoals did not want to join um their family was pretty religious they're catholic and um at first, the Germans in the Catholic Church didn't, or the Nazis in the Catholic Church, I should say, did not really get along. Um, that would change. But at first, they did not like them. Um, so they ended up having to join anyway because they had no choice. Um, but they, they also enjoyed like the things that they did there. Because, I mean, they're still kids. They enjoyed going out and doing kid shit with other kids, even though they, it was like half political ideology now. Um, most people think of the Hitler Youth now as they ended up in uh, like the end of the war. Like there was some of the last surrendering German soldiers were Hitler Youth soldiers inside Berlin. Um, this was not the case at first. Uh, it was pretty much the Boy Scouts um, with some political indoctrination. Um, they also had some really shitty, embarrassing short shorts. Just a, just a touch of political indoctrination. Like, hey guys, let's go have some fun. Also... Someday you'll be killing Jews. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's go learn how to build a bonfire. Also, let's learn about the Fuhrer and how he gives us the ability to start fires. <laughs> uh, so soon the Scholes, who were mostly liberal upper class educated class of people, would be introduced to Nazi oppression. Hans was arrested along with his friend Willy Graf for their previous membership in the German youth movement. Hans, it turned out, had been turned in for being gay. Uh, which was incredibly illegal in Germany. Um, Ultimate sin. He was arrested in 1937 for this, uh, for a uh, relationship he had when he was about 16 years old. If this was only a few years later, the story would not be being told because Hans would have just been thrown in a concentration camp. Um, but he missed the line. So good for him for now. 
so in 1941, the Scholes would come across a Catholic sermon by an outspoken anti-Nazi priest by the name of Kleset. Now, this is a long fucking German name. Clemens August Graf von Galen. Uh, Galen's sermon was, descri- de- was decrying the Nazi euthanasia program, which is known as Action T4, uh, which precluded the Holocaust. For people who do not know, T4 was the German program of murdering its own citizens, men, women, and children. Uh, if they were found to be sick, mentally or physically disabled, or people who they dubbed life unworthy of life. Uh, it's as horrible as that sounds. Um, so this was one of those many horrifying ways that the Nazis hoped to, uh, purify their Aryan bloodlines. Um, and now at first, so the first documented case of someone being euthanized by T4, they were given to the Nazis by their family. And this was all carried out by doctors. Uh, but that was not always the case. The vast majority of people killed in the T4 program were done, they were murdered behind their family's back. Um, in the case of children, parents were outright lied to and told their children were being taken to, quote, special sections where they would be uh, receiving improved treatment. Uh, a couple days later, the children would be murdered, normally with an injection of fennel, and their parents would be told they simply died of pneumonia. Uh, for adults, any hospital, old age home, and mental hospital were required to report who had been there for more than five years. Those people would then be wiped out. It was eventually through this program the Nazis began the first use of the gas to uh, murder people. This is where they uh, they started with like uh, the fumes from a combustion engine uh, because they hadn't quite upgraded to uh, Zyklon B. So would that be like um, carbon, carbon monoxide? monoxide yeah, yeah. Um, it turns out, however, the Nazis were really bad at keeping secrets about this program. Uh, so. According to the book T4, quote, in the towns where the killing centers were located, many people saw the inmates arrive in buses, saw the smoke from the crematoria chimneys, and noticed that the buses were returning empty. In one city, ashes containing human hair rained down on the town. Despite the strictest orders, some staff at the killing centers talked about what was going on. In some cases, families could tell that the causes of death certificates were false. For example, when a patient was claimed to have died from appendicitis, even though his appendix had been surgically removed years before. In other cases, several families in the same town received death certificates on the same day with the exact same cause listed. They were not good at keeping secrets. Do you research Nazis? Yeah. What the fuck? Like, they didn't even notice that they did such a thorough uh, exam of, the, of these people that they uh, condemned to death. They didn't even notice in the appendicitis scar. Uh, and how, I mean, it's kind of off subject, but how they would come across, like, a group of SS doctors would come through and um, decide if the person was life unworthy of life. And they would just do it with like X's and O's, like a football play. And if enough SS doctors, I think it was like three or four of them came by and put three X's, he's dead. That, that was enough to condemn it to death. Um, so by 1940, people were so terrified of leaving their loved ones or asylums, they just brought, started bringing them home. Uh, soon people were sending in letters that protested the government. The Vatican itself came down with a ruling that said what the Nazis were doing was against the rule of God and demanded they stopped. The German branch of the Catholic Church, however, stayed oddly silent. That's where our boy Galen comes in. He wrote that pamphlet and it quickly spread across Germany. Uh, and two of the people that helped him spread it were Hans and Sophie Scholl. 
who printed it and sped around the University of Munich. Uh, this should come as a surprise to nobody when I say this is incredibly fucking illegal for them to do. Uh, one member of the White Rose, George Wittenstein, described what exactly they were dealing with at the time in Germany. Quote, the government, or rather, should I say, the party controlled everything. The news media, the arms police, and the armed forces. The judiciary system, communications, travel, all levels of education from kindergarten to universities, all cultural and religious institutions. Political indoctrination started very early um, and continued uh, by means through the Hitler Youth with the ultimate goal of complete mind control. Children were extorted in school to denounce even their own parents for derogatory remarks about Hitler or Nazi ideology. Now, Now imagine finding yourself in a situation like that and still breaking the law. They are... To put it to put it things uh, pretty simply, um, they're way more badass than I have ever been in my whole life. Deal. Yeah, it is surprising they are able to skitter around the Gestapo for as long as they did, being weighed down by fucking anchors between their legs. Can we can we think of a more badass word than skitter? Uh, what would what would you describe that someone does uh, to not be scamper? They scampered a bit, <laughs> like the penguins. Oh, that's a waddle. That's <laughs> no, definitely a waddle. No, Scamper is a penguin from an old cartoon movie. It's very cute. What what movie has a scampering penguin in it? A wonderful movie from my childhood. That you do not remember what it's called. It's called Scamper. Uh, the, the movie <laughs> itself was, it was Scamper a Nazi. No, <laughs> it was a penguin. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that I, I'll call the scampering then. <laughs> Uh, but they were not quite the white rose yet. Uh, for that to happen, they would have to see the horrors of the Nazi regime with their own two eyes. Unfortunately for them, that's exactly what they were about to do. Uh, and here's something that like I get shit for from time to time. Like I wrote a whole book about like my awakening, I guess you could say as a pacifist and anti-war activist uh, when I had to go over there and see it myself. And people are like, how dumb do you have to be? I knew this my whole life. Like I knew these wars were wrong and shit like that. And uh, I don't really get that attitude. Like you can kind of understand things are fucky, but like not as bad as people make it seem. Cause it's like, obviously these have to be lies. We, the, the place that we live in cannot simply be the snidely whiplash villain of the world. Like people have to be lying about it. Well, and also there's like, a grand scale that we're looking back on this at like we have all of the information now and we're looking at germany as a country whereas the people living there at the time are living in their homes with their families and not necessarily i mean obviously they're affected by the political structure but not necessarily in their everyday life and not necessarily in a negative way so uh, i mean only the people directly affected are going to really know that there's something really bad going on. And remember, this is the 1940s. The, the radio signals you were getting, because, I mean, there weren't, there was TV, I think. No? There wasn't. Was there TV? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to fact check that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't look that up because I'm a hack and a fraud. But, uh, <laughs> like, the radios, like, and the Nazis gave radios out to people because they knew the power of the political message. Gave them out for free. Um, that was the news that you would get. Well, the news like that they said, beamed into yeah, your radio. All of the media was controlled by the right. Nazis, so they're only going to let you see what they want you to see, which is, you know, not all, like they're going to sh- they're going to ease you into it. It's right. like a frog in boiling water. Like they're going to turn the temperature up slowly so that you you know by the time it's hot you don't notice. And it's not like they put their atrocities in the news. Um, like 
people may have known concentration camps were a thing. And if you lived nearby one, you definitely knew they were a thing. But like you didn't think they're annihilation centers. Um, just like the vast majority of people who had family fighting in the wars didn't think that their cousin, who they grew up with being this nice, friendly guy or whoever, going to the Eastern Front, they didn't, they would never imagine that you know, he had a hand in killing millions of people. Um, and the idea, I mean, imagine if someone you knew to be very close to you um, was like accused of like a disgusting murder. What's the first thing you're going to say? He wouldn't do that. Yeah, of course. And, like, imagine, like, the only fucking uh, news that you're getting is from some hypothetical situation here where they're all just saying that they're innocent and he's doing good things. Which one are you going to believe? I mean, the, the White Rose were, or the people who'd become the White Rose at this point, had found a dissident news source in the form of a Catholic priest. Like, and Catholics, like, they weren't the majority in Germany and the Germans did their, like the German government did their best to like downplay religion as much as they could and get away with it. Um, uh, you know, it's, and it's not like they're going to Google this shit on the internet. There's no other news source. So the idea that like they had to go see it firsthand, completely understandable. Um, and that's where I'll go back on track. <laughs> um, so much like the U S uh, at the height of the Vietnam draft, the Nazis also had deferment for people going to college, which I guess that's nice of them. <laughs> um, the main difference between the two is how, uh, was however, the German medical students who had temporarily, uh, like, so, uh, almost everybody we're talking about are medical students, uh, which is a weird coincidence. But, um, so if you went to school, you got your deferment, uh, to be a medical student. The, the Nazis expected that on your summer vacation where most people would just get drunk and high or whatever in the U.S., uh, you'd go serve in the Army Medical Corps uh, during that three months. Uh, which Good experience, I, I'm sure. Sure. Uh, like, that or die, I guess. And, like, if you, if you had nothing to give the Nazis, like, military-wise, like, a Sophie Scholl got sent to a foundry. Like she worked in a foundry over the summer to, to build weapons. It was like the, the, the national labor program. Uh, it was their version of total war before they're still like, we had Rosie the Riveter and shit. And they said, and they had women go to the factories because the fear said so. I don't know. They didn't have a, a cute caricature. They're Nazis. <laughs> um, so during the same time, the Scholl's father was actually arrested uh, for insulting Hitler. He was turned in by his own friend at work. So you can see how slowly but surely they're, they're getting a very close firsthand experience of what Nazi oppression is. Not only did like one of them get arrested for being gay uh, or having a gay relationship, um, their dad was arrested for you know, probably saying a really shitty dad joke about Hitler. Um, because Hans, Alexander, Christoph, and Willie were all medical students, they're all sent up to the Eastern Front of all places in 1942, which makes me think they have some of the worst fucking luck on earth. Uh, it was there on the Eastern Front. They not only saw the horrors of one of the most terrifying theaters of war in human history, they also saw the uh, gross mistreatment and mass murder of the Russian Jewish population. And most of the time people, so like we were just talking about, nobody knew about the massacres on the Eastern Front unless you're at the Eastern Front. That news did not go home. Um, either by, through the SS or their mobile death squads, which were known as the Eitzensgruppen, uh, which, yeah, they definitely do those things. But the, the regular German army was heavily involved in the everyday horrible ultraviolence of the Eastern Front. Most people put that blame squarely in the SS. That's just not true. Um, also, another bad thing for these kids' moral compass, Alexander spoke fluent Russian. 
So while German soldiers would never be able to communicate with the people they're oppressing and murdering, Alexander could understand all of it. Uh, so he heard firsthand accounts of the brutality being visited upon them by the German people. Um, Willie Graff wrote a letter home that said simply, quote, I wish I had been spared the view of all this which I've had to witness. Soon the feelings of horror and despair gave way to the conviction that they had to do something to stop this. At the end of the three-month tour at the front, they all returned home around fall of 1942 and officially formed the White Rose. So, uh, this, so this was just their summer break. Yeah. Wow. They're about 20 years old. Uh, They chose the name the White Rose from a book, as the White Rose was supposed to represent purity and innocence among the face of evil. The the group quickly authored their first four leaflets and spread them around. I guess a printed leaflet was the anti-war resistors version of a podcast in Nazi Germany. (laughs) A whole bunch of white kids get together. You call it a podcast. It's like a flock. Uh, they quoted extensively from the Bible, Aristotle and Goethe. Uh, but most importantly, they talked about the things that normal German people had no idea about, like mass murder and genocide. Uh, this is a quote from the second leaflet quote, since the conquest of Poland, 300,000 Jews have been murdered in this country in the most bestial way. The German people slumber on it in a dull, stupid sleep and incurred these fascist criminals. Each wants to be exonerated of guilt. Each one continues on his way in the most placid, calm conscience, but he cannot be exonerated. He is guilty, guilty, guilty. And it's a really, I think, good way to uh, tell people, like, because, uh, you know, the Germans came to power, the Nazis came to power in Germany. Uh, they had run for parliament or the, the Reichstag a few times, and they never won the popular vote. Like, I think they had, they had like 25% support. Um, and Hitler ended up just becoming chancellor because... People are gutless assholes, and they gave them, they just gave them power. Um, so the Nazis at this point, there's flags and torches and all these things everywhere. But the vast majority of the German population was not like a, a rabbinate Nazi supporter. And they were hoping if they just kept their head down, everything would be okay for them and their family. And, and you know, this would all blow over, the war would be over, whatever. But I mean, the White Rose is taking a different angle and saying, like, no, you're fucking guilty because – sitting idly by is helping them. Were they like the only anti-war movement? Um, they're one of the more well-known. Um, and they are um, one of the more vocal because like they, there was I, conspirators, you could say. There's conspirators within the German military, uh, the aristocracy. Um, there was people who were anti-Hitler and anti-Nazi, but they... But much, much like the people, they don't want to stick their fucking neck out because they knew what happened to people. Yeah, most people are for themselves. Yeah, most people have really strong moral convictions until they get visited by the fucking Gestapo. <laughs> Which, fair enough. I'll give them that. I will freely admit making this podcast would not be possible if I was worried about fucking the local police kicking open my door and murdering me. Like, I'm not willing to go that far. Your very cute dog won't let me yeah he's he's like that we have we have two podcast uh guests with us today and they're lazy ass dogs <laughs> at least this time they're not vomiting on the floor uh, nick brought his dog over and she was just she vomited six times what <laughs> six you times he, he needs to take her to a vet and this is before i had a producer so i couldn't get rid of it <laughs> um so they uh the white rose print off 
thousands of these leaflets and spread around wherever they could. Uh, they generally targeted people like themselves, upper class, educated college students. Uh, they mailed them out to professors and students and even managed to smuggle them to universities all across Germany. Uh, by January 1943, they managed to print off about 10,000 of their fifth leaflet. And this is, granted, this is not an automatic printing press they're using. It's a shitty hand-cranked thing. Some just go into town all hours of the day. Um, the leaflet managed to find its way all the way to the University of Berlin itself. Uh, right around the same time that this leaflet, the fifth leaflet, uh, started making its round, the, the German 6th Army was surrounded and destroyed and the Battle of Stalingrad finally ended. Uh, this had a massive impact on the German uh, national morale. In one situation in the University of Munich, ground zero of the White Rose leaflets, a group of students violently rioted against the regional Nazi party leader who came to the school to shit-talk the male students for being in school rather than being in the army. Uh, he also apparently like slut-shamed a few of the women. Uh, because like before the Nazis took over, the Weimar Republic was like incredibly uh, liberal and progressive. Uh, like they... Uh, I think they even legalized uh, being gay, which is huge for the 1930s. Yeah. Um, and like women were pretty much allowed to do whatever they wanted. And then the Nazis came over and they're like thorough far right conservatives and women had to cover up and stay in the home and have babies to further the glorious Aryan race. So like people weren't hugely cool with that. Uh, it was, you know, fear that kept them in line, like most fascist regimes. But uh he slut shamed few female students and he got chased out of there by angry students, uh, which is fucking awesome. Good. Go students. Yeah. They should have beat him to death. <laughs> uh, so it is not exactly known how much the White Rose activity really did account for the students' actions that day. But it's fair to say thousands of leaflets have been flooding the area. It may have done something to change the students' minds. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure just the fact that they knew that other people felt the same way that they did. I mean, there's there's power in numbers. If you yeah. feel like you're, you know, you have these thoughts, but you're alone. You tend to stay quiet. Yeah, definitely. But if you know that, you know, one, they, they spark a, a conversation. You can kind of feel people out. Hey, you see this leaflet? What, you know, what do you think about it? And if they start, you know, saying the anti-Nazi rhetoric also, then you know you've got an ally. Yeah. And... I mean, like I said, at the same time, uh, the German 6th Army was destroyed in Stalingrad. Hundreds of thousands of Germans are dead at this point. There's a very good chance that everybody in that room had lost a brother or a cousin or someone in their family. And was probably going to be there at some point. Very, very realis realistically, they were all going to die in the war if they, if they didn't do something. But uh, So watching the beauty of an anti-Nazi -Nazi student riot breakout uh, further emboldened the members of the White Rose, leaving Kurt Huber to pen their sixth and final leaflet. And I have to say, they spit fucking hot fire. <laughs> Quote, fellow fighters in the resistance, shaken and broken, our people behold the loss of the men of Stalingrad. 330,000 German men have been senselessly and irresponsibly driven to death and destruction by the inspiring strategy of our World War I private first class. Fuhrer, we thank you. <laughs> uh, for those who are unaware, Adolf Hitler only ever reached the rank of Gefritter or Lance Corporal. <laughs> In the military, uh, which I was... that they're also heckling. Yes. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Your mama got one big titty and one little titty. We call the bitch Biggie Smalls. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. As they're just cranking the little hand thing. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, 
the same time they were spreading these around, they began painting anti-Nazi slogans all over the place at school and uh, around Munich. I really, really hope they spray painted like, or like, well, spray paint probably wasn't a thing back then, but like they hand painted dicks on posters of Hitler. Because I know that's what I would do. Because you know he would fucking hate it. It's a different generation. But you know he would hate like a giant set of balls spray, uh, like painted on him somewhere. Because like there's the rumor going around he only had one ball. <laughs> and he had some really weird sexual practices so you know he would fucking hate having a dick painted on him because he was too busy fucking his cousin actually I think his cousin killed herself by then but whatever uh, so in February 1943 the Scholl siblings brought an entire suitcase of leaflets to spur on the university which I have to say not good for operational security there's covered in evidence <laughs> Uh, before they left, uh, Sophie noticed there's actually a few more at the bottom of the suitcase. So not wanting to go to waste, uh, she grabbed them and flung them down from the top of the atrium. Uh, the school maintenance person, a asshole named Jacob Schmidt, noticed it and called the cops. Which, I should remind you, when I say cops in this situation, I mean the fucking Gestapo. <laughs> Uh, as had become normal for Sophie after spreading leaflets, she would not travel back home carrying any evidence with her, um, for obvious reasons. Like she would take all the risk bringing it there and like, yeah, I'm not going to do that twice. And then dump them in a ditch, throw them away, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Hans wasn't so slick. Uh, he still had some stuff on him. So when the Gestapo finally did catch up with him while they were walking away, Hans attempted to eat the last few leaflets. Uh, didn't work. Oh, Hans. <laughs> I mean, that's my self-defense mechanism, too, is just, like, try to eat stuff. I don't know. Um, they managed to stop him. Uh, unfortunately, they had enough of the leaflets uh, left that he attempted to fucking eat uh, to match the writing styles they had found in rough drafts in Hans' apartment which linked them directly to Christoph Propes, who was quickly arrested. Uh, Alexander Schmall, or, sorry, Schmorell, uh, was arrested while attempting to flee to Switzerland, and Propes had given Willie Graf's name under pain of torture. Um, when uh, Schmorell had tried to run, they put his picture uh, like on the front of every fucking newspaper. <laughs> so he was doomed. Um, so the Gestapo head investigator originally thought Sophie was totally innocent. Uh, she had given uh, no evidence because uh, remember, like she had no evidence on her whatsoever and she was smart enough to clean up her place. There was no evidence tying her any weight whatsoever to the white rose. Uh, and what's honestly more surprising is nobody gave her up under torture. Like, they gave up everybody else. And you can imagine the horrible shit the Gestapo was doing. Um, like, tearing up fingernails, uh, like, shooting them, stabbing them, cutting them, beating their ass constantly. This, these are things that happen. Um, I mean, they, the Gestapo wasn't exactly known for their fucking gentle tactics. Um, and, like I said, almost everybody gave up everybody else. But nobody fucking dropped Sophie's name, which is incredibly shocking. Um, which is why the next thing's going to be so terrible. Um, but she found out while she was being interrogated, they had her brother dead to rights. So she gave herself up saying that she was in charge of everything and they're only listening to orders. Uh, just so everybody knows how badass that is. The man that was questioning Sophie was Robert Moore. Moore was the Gestapo interrogation specialist in Munich, which 
just imagine how many terrible things you had to do to so many people to get that fucking title. And not only was he a Gestapo interrogation specialist, he was the commander of Eitzensgruppen C and had a hand in the murders of thousands of people throughout Ukraine and Russia. Now imagine being a 21-year-old college student facing down one of the most evil men who have ever fucking walked the earth, looking him right in the eye and said, yeah, bitch, it was me. <laughs> That's what she did. Go, girl. Oh, she wouldn't be going much anywhere else, unfortunately. Uh, I know, like, I'm a huge bitch. Like, I, there's no way I would do that. There's no fucking way I would do that. I would lie my ass off. I would have sold someone out under torture too. I mean, that's that's when torture doesn't fucking work. They'll say whatever the fuck you want to say to get the pain to stop. Yeah, that's like a lot of people were executed in the wake of the White Rose uh, investigation because the people who were being tortured just gave up everybody they knew to hope that they'd stop being tortured. And only some of those people were actually in the White Rose because this wasn't this massive sprawling conspiracy. Uh, it was college kids. Um on February 22nd, the Shoals would have their day in court. Fortunately for them, it would not actually be in a criminal court. It, was in, it would be in front of what is known as the Nazi People's Court. The People's Court was a special court set up outside even the framework of Nazi law. Now that sounds like they can really keep a level head and be fair and, and make justice happen. It's probably way worse than you can even imagine. Um, so the court was actually created for these exact reasons. Uh, so the Reichstag fire, which most people know about as like being the catalyst for Hitler to take dictatorial power of Germany. Um, there's a criminal court, there a criminal case that happened after that in the regular criminal courts of Germany. And so few people actually got found guilty. Hitler got pissed and created the people's court, which find everybody guilty always, uh, the court was known for so little actual trial work. They could even they could they couldn't even be called like a kangaroo court because like a kangaroo court, I don't know. Like it was bad. At least a, a court that wants to pretend to be an actual legitimate court will like I'm gonna let you have a lawyer, uh, let let you argue in your defense. People's court didn't do that. Uh, no argument. No arguments for guilt or innocence were ever put forward. Uh, it normally boiled down to Judge President Roland Freiser screaming at someone for less than an hour or so, and then immediately sentencing them to death. And these weren't like screaming at them uh, for their crimes. It was screaming at them for like as a person. Uh, they, they're a traitor to the Fuhrer, the German people. You know, they probably fucked Jews. Weird shit. Like they weren't like even arguing any kind of evidence. They're just like, well, you're in front of me, so you must be guilty. Uh, if that sounds bad enough, Sophie Scholl's defense counsel, which was a party member given to her by the court, of course, uh, met with her the day before and uh, told her she deserved to die. Not a good start. Super fair. Um, so unlike pretty much anybody in the history of the Nazis people court, Sophie Scholl did not take Roland Freiser's abuse laying down. When he lit into her for being an enemy of the people and for being a traitor, she stood up and screamed back, you know as well as I do that the war is lost. Why are you so cowardly that you won't admit it? Okay. Now, it should be noted, um, this is more than a re more of a rebuttal than anybody has ever given Freiser. Uh, I bet you she's the one that wrote the line about PFD Hitler. Oh, I would hope so. <laughs> uh, so during the 1944 trials uh, of people connected to the bomb plot to kill Hitler, and, you know, they made the movie Valkyrie about it. Um, they were all military leaders for the most part. 
Uh, there were some civilians involved, but um, the proud military officers who led thousands of men to their death throughout World War II stood in silence while Fraser yelled at them. Sophie Scholl said, fuck that. Death is, unfortunately, the same sentence that Hans and Sophie would be given, only minutes apart from one another. Uh, and they were put to death in the same exact day as their sentences passed. While being led to the guillotine by Nazi executioner, sorry, oh, German names, Johann Reichardt, she reportedly told him, quote, how can we expect righteousness to prevail when there is hardly anyone willing to give themselves up individually to a righteous cause? Such a fine, sunny day, and I have to go. But what does my death matter if through us thousands of people are awakened and stirred into action? She was killed a few seconds later. Immediately after Sophie was killed, Hans was brought in. He walked in unaided to the chopping block, despite the fact he had been tortured for hours. Just before the blade came down on his neck, he screamed, Eitz lebe die Freiheit, or long live freedom. Johann Reichert executed over 2,000 people in his life, and he stated before he died, Sophie Scholl is the bravest person I've ever seen. She was a badass. Also, he wore a tux and a top hat while he was doing this, if this makes this any weirder. Uh, seems unnecessary. Tradition? I, uh, he was an executioner before the Nazis came to power and after. Uh, he actually helped the, I think his name's like John Woods, the uh, American soldier who hung Nazi war criminals. He helped him with it because he'd been doing this for years. He's a professional. Um, uh, he'd been executed. Like he, had, he wasn't a Nazi. He just He's doing his job. job. Unfortunately, his job's a fucking monster. Uh, and he ended up, uh, his son ended up killing himself uh, because of what his dad did for a living. And then uh, Reichardt died poor and insane. So, fuck you, you fucking Johann Reichardt. Yeah. Um, one by one, each main member of the White Rose would soon follow Scholes to the gallows. One of the only survivors was a woman named, and I am going to fuck this name up, Trouty LaFriends. Trouty? <laughs> it is spelled T-R-A-U-T-E. I'm saying Trouty. Trout? Trout sounds better than Trouty. Oh, Trouty. Uh, so <laughs> she was saved through a combination of luck and Roland Fraser having the day off. Um, she managed to conceal most of her involvement in the leaflet spreading. Uh, when in reality, she had been the main White Rose member in Hamburg, Germany. Um, she was originally slated to go to, on a court docket with several other uh, uh, several other members of the White Rose on Hitler's birthday. Uh, the docket was so crowded that Freisler moved her to a different judge's docket on the same day. Everyone in Freisler's docket was executed, as was per usual. Uh, the other judge gave LaFrance a year in prison. That was it. Huh. Uh, she was released and then was once again arrested by the Gestapo because Nazis are fucking assholes and don't care about their own laws and then put on trial for the same exact thing. Uh, she was moved to a different town because of allied air raids and her trial was set for April of 1945. Uh, during which time she was almost certain to be executed. There's no way she was going to escape it twice. Instead, three days before her trial, allied forces liberated the town she was being held in and saved her life. Uh, for all their work, the SS and German press hardly paid any attention to the White Rose. Uh, after their execution, little more was said, and there's a footnote saying some, quote, degenerate rogues were executed. But that was definitely just propaganda to minimize their impact. SS Gestapo reports at the time note that the White Rose's leaflets were causing a lot of unrest in the German populace. More importantly, among the same ages of people, they're trying to go get the fight. 
the reach was so impressive that the Gestapo thought they're dealing with hundreds of people somehow involved with allied intelligence and said they were getting rolled on by a whole bunch of fucking Catholic college kids. <laughs> um, but the White Rose's message would not die with them. The text of their sixth leaflet was smuggled out of Germany and to the UK where it was turned into a weapon by the Allied Air Forces. Hundreds of thousands of leaflets, more leaflets than the White Rose could have ever dreamed of printing with that shitty crank printer, were dropped on, the, on Germany titled The Manifesto of the Students of Munich. So, in closing, I will say at least one thing that will make people feel better. Roland Fraser was killed when an Allied bomb landed on the People's Court building where he was working, and a big fucking piece of concrete crushed his Nazi ass to death. <laughs> when, when his body was brought to the nearby hospital, nobody cared, because even other Nazis thought he was an asshole. When a, when a Nazi doctor saw that he was dead, an SS doctor who had been killing disabled people, like as part of his job on the reg now for probably six years, said, quote, this is God's judgment. <laughs> It's like that horrible moment when uh, someone you fucking hate is right about something. I'm on the concrete side here. Yeah. I'm a big stand for concrete in this episode. <laughs> Just crushing that bitch. Um, that's it. Uh, so, I mean, the White Rose is, is, is an awesome story because the kids are like these. The, the, I say their kids are 21. but They are kids. Kind of. Especially, um, especially in college. Like, I mean, there's different mentality could you imagine doing this in fucking college no i mean but i was like i ate my way through college i was a culinary student <laughs> <laughs> we were baking cakes and shit yeah now bake cakes to end hitler <laughs> um you know that and like there's another point i think the russians try to use or sorry the soviets uh, try to use one of their leaflets as a propaganda tool against the Germans, and they mislabeled it uh, and did not give credit to the uh, White Rose. So, fucking plagiarist ass Soviets. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's our episode today. And uh, I would like to thank Rich for coming on. I bribed her with a pizza to do this. Yeah, I'm so hungry. Uh, it was worth $14, so thank you. <laughs> Joe's withholding food for me until I talk to you guys. It's that important. <laughs> Um, yep. So until next time, thanks for dropping by, uh, donate to our Patreon. If you feel like it, you have to wear shirts. Why not make it one of ours? <laughs> uh, follow me on Twitter. Jcast 99. Follow the show at lines underscore by don't follow her on anything. Cause she's smarter than any of us and stays away from it. Especially not the tweeter. I don't get it. The tweeter machine. The twatter. <laughs> All right, guys, take it easy. Hi, this is Nate Bethay and I'm the producer of the lions led by donkeys podcast. This show is brought to you by Audible, and as it just so happens, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash donkeys and browse the selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. Once again, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash donkeys to get started.